You're listening to Spice Radio, 1200 AM's The Morning Buzz with Mankir and Ajla, and we're talking about how the Desi Comedy Fest is coming to Just for Last Vancouver on February 20th for the first time. And we're speaking to Samson Kolekar, stand-up comedian and co-creator of the show. Samson, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Now, we got to start off with your descriptor. Because as I was looking you up, I kept on seeing world's only Indian Jewish stand-up comedian. How's that kind of inspire your content and approach to comedy? I don't know if it inspires most of my content, but it's a unique label that seems to stick better than my own name. So I found it easier to tell people, even at shows, I do this all the time. I think, look, don't, I know it's going to be a struggle remembering my name. So just Google Indian Jewish comedian and you will find everything about me. And that actually sticks with people. And one of the first tours I launched and I made my website too, it's called MahatmaMoses.com. Mahatma comes from Mahatma Gandhi, the most popular Indian in the world, potentially one of the most. And Moses from the Ten Commandments, which is the one reference that all the non-Jews in my vicinity seem to have had. So I was like, right, let's, let's pick the two most popular names. And people have come up to me and been like, hey, you are, you are, you are Mahatma Moses, right? I'm like, yeah, they don't remember Samson Collector, but someday, someday we'll make the transition. <laughs> One day it'll be there. It's memorable, right? And I even know that you have a tour that's called uh, You're Funny, But You Don't Look Jewish. Because you were saying how you have a very kind of ambiguous look. And I can kind of relate yeah. to that, Samson, because even I've been told that. Some people see me down the street. Like I come, I have a Punjabi background. And it kind of reminded me listening to some of your stand up from there how people kind of make these assumptions about what your background is. Like, I remember I tried to sit with a group of Punjabi kids uh, many years ago. This was when I was in university. And they looked at me like, why are you here? And I was like, I'm just like you. My name's Mankir. You know, I'm Punjabi. And they're like, what? <laughs> like, you you don't look it, though. So have you had that experience before? I have. I have, right? And that's where a lot of our jokes come from. They come from a very real place. I mean, there's a very classic way to put this, right? At least true for me. Jokes start in reality and end in absurdity. And so there's a lot of real stuff that happens in our lives and we bring that onto stage. And then the the exaggeration, the absurdity of it is what makes it funny. And so for me, I've been told, depending on how I have my haircut and my uh, stubble, I could be Irani, I could be Italian, I could be, I don't know where else people have thrown me, but those two I've heard for sure. And it is, it is a case of mixed identity, especially because I'm fair. I'm way too fair for, for an average Indian person. So when I was in India, I've actually had people come up to me and start talking in English because they assume that I'm a foreigner. And then I would start speaking in Hindi, Marathi. And they're like, what, Teddy? You speak like us? Like, yeah, I'm from here. And so I, I used to joke about the joke never landed. But I, I had this thing about how I was too white for India and I'm not white enough for America. I'm kind of <laughs> <sad>. <laughs> I, I feel that as yeah I, I definitely could relate to that and for you especially you know what made you want to even enter stand-up comedy in the first place what drew you to it you know it's one of those things where everybody expects like an in- inspirational story like you know I was riding a motorcycle and then I flew <laughs> off the road I was, I was lying in a ditch about to die and wondering what do I want to do Ooh, I want to do stand-up but it's not like that it's just one of those things which We've been trying things in our life. Like I used to be a Bollywood dancer before. I've done a lot of stage drama stuff. I've, I've always been trying to do things. Right? Oh, I, I think I like this. Let me try this now. And then I tried stand-up. And it just stuck with me. The first time that I was on stage, it's one of those do-or-die situations that you'll just die out of stand-up going, I don't want to do this again. 
or you just want to keep doing it over and over again and again. And so one of the things that more than how I started, I think what was more relevant to me is how did I keep going? Because stand up in the early days is very, very brutal. Because in my head, I'm playing to sold out Madison Square Garden. But in reality, I'm at a bar with two people who are drunk and not willing to listen. <laughs> how do you get through all of that? <laughs> how do you get through all of that, right? Like there's, there's a lot of, lot of empty, the poorly attended shows that you have to bide your time through. And a lot of times your jokes don't work. Because when you come into stand-up, you think everybody around you thinks you're funny. But that's because they're your friends and they have context. And you go say those things on stage and suddenly nobody has any context and nobody relates. And that's a challenge. And the one thing that keeps me going, even till date, is if I think of a joke and it doesn't work, then I get really ruffled up. I'm like, how the hell did that joke not work? I'm going to come back and make it work. And then you hammer it and hammer it and edit it and tweak it and improve it. And then when it does work, there's a huge reward. Like, yes, I figured it out. Right? It's like problem solving. You have a problem. You have a joke that didn't work. How do you solve that problem? But then again, not every problem in life is solvable. So we drop a lot of our jokes too, right? Sometimes the jokes will, will, will stay in the back of my head. And then three years later, I'm like, ooh, I have a callback to that old joke I used to do. Let me bring it back again. So it, it's that constant need to make things funny. And I just get a lot of happiness from making people laugh and seeing them happy. And I think that at the, the, the core of it is what keeps me going. That's really sweet. And I want to know, and I'm sure you must have experienced this when you're performing. Has anybody ever tried to give you feedback? Oh, I should send you one of my latest clips. I actually start my shows now talking about how I don't know why people like to talk to me sometimes during the show, but usually afterwards they give me feedback. <laughs> and that is literally one of my, my, my actual starting jokes now. And it, 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 it runs through my set, but there have been times when people like to come up and give feedback. The amount of times that has happened now has reduced. Because I think what also happens in the early years, you have not figured out the stage presence, the command, the finesse of stand-up. And so people can figure out, like audiences are very smart, right? I said this recently to somebody, collectively an audience is always smarter than an individual comment. And so they know where you stand and so they like to come and help you especially <laughs> when it's your own kind. So Daisy's give me the most feedback because they're like, oh, he's one of us. I think he should do better, right? So that happened a lot in the beginning. But for some reason, I don't know how and why, it has reduced dramatically now. So most of the feedback I now get is actually called back to my own jokes because I weaved that into my, into my routine itself, a lot of it. And so it's funny to watch people come up at the end do a callback to my joke and then they feel good about the fact that, hey, I got your joke, you see? So it, it's been fun and I still get a lot of feedback from fellow comedians and that has been a huge help because, you know, sometimes you think things and you do things and you don't see things. It's the blind spot. And then somebody will come and be like, hey, why did you say that? Why don't you say this instead? And it becomes less offensive or it becomes more effective. So feedback is a constant in life. Like I've still had audiences come and give me feedback Sometimes they've actually improved my jokes as well. I, I don't say this lightly. I'll give you one specific example, okay? I used to do a joke about how if you're stopped at a, uh, like the GPS is giving you instructions, right? Like turn left, turn left. And you're stopped at a light, you're not moving, and the GPS will repeat the instruction. And it's like, it reminds me of my kid. Just keep repeating the same <laughs> thing over and over. Why can't we, living in the technology hub in the Silicon Valley, 
create a simple fix. Don't repeat the instruction twice. Give me the instruction and then hold off until the instruction changes. And that joke worked pretty well in my usual shows until I ended up in a Desi audience, which mm-hmm. is full of tech people. And somebody actually said this, but what if you actually had to make two less? Oh. Did you just <laughs> play my joke in the middle of the show? And but thanks for improving it. And so then I changed it to turn left on main. Turn left. You can't turn left twice on main, right? So <laughs> just things that happen. But yeah, feedback is 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 constant. A lot of it now comes during the show because I'll say things that might get people riled up, and then yeah. Oh well, it's coming from a good place, right? Like people just want you to be better. Most of it, right? Yes, most of it comes from a good place. Not all of it, all the time, because there are still people who just don't get it. And you know, I have this new tagline that I've put now in my bio, which goes "Comedy for people who prefer caffeine over alcohol." Because <laughs> I do want you to be alert. I do want you to be able to process the jokes that I'm putting through. It does. It does play with your brain a lot more. And so, if somebody is out and out drunk and just doesn't get it, uh, they lose control. That that disrupts the show more than anything else. No, and it's nice to see that also, like the comedians that you work with, who they give you advice, and that's really sweet. Because yeah. for me, as an outsider, I would kind of be like, oh, it's probably really competitive. Like people don't want to help each other out. I mean, I'm sure those people exist too, but it's nice to see that there's kind of like a community, right? You have that sense of community. There is, and you know, I've heard this and I've felt this. If you ever want to feel lonely, tell a joke on stage that doesn't work. <laughs> there is there is no more lonely feeling than than a bomb joke on stage. And so we as comedians get that, mm-hmm. right? So there's a lot of camaraderie amongst comedians. It's also the only art form which is completely solo. And so we don't have anybody to fall back on on stage. And so off stage, there's 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 good support system. Yeah, you have that. That's why I think anybody who does stand up comedy, I'm like you guys are brave. Too a little, little bit psycho too. A bit of psychoticness <laughs> to go up there and and do those things like those. Although I will say this, and I've said this before, I can actually talk to an audience way more comfortably than talking into a mic with nobody in front of me. How do you guys do it? How does radio and TV people really? do it? That baffles me even more. That's wild because I would think like what I do, I feel it's a little bit easier because I don't see the people. You know what I mean? And not seeing the reaction, the faces is kind of nice. And even if I know that, okay, like I fumbled something, I'm like, well, they can't see how I'm feeling. You know what I mean? Like I can make the facial expressions, everything. But you as a comedian, when you're on stage, you're in front of people and you know something doesn't go well, it's kind of like instantly you feel it and you kind of have to keep holding it together. Like your face has to be all together. You can't like have a breakdown on stage, you know? Yeah, yeah. I guess different folk, different folks. Because for us, we drive the energy off of the people. Totally. The reaction drives us a lot. So I've tried like the whole radio idea. To me, I've said this during Zoom shows that we did throughout the pandemic. It felt like doing stand up on radio, and it was just <laughs> terrible. And so anyway, <laughs> I, I get that, though. I think for you, especially and the work that you do, like energy is super important to be able to feed off that. So I totally understand it. Radio is very good for us antisocial people. You know, maybe we don't want to be around people <laughs> and we just want to break. And we're like, it's just us and the mic. And that's it. It's kind of a nice thing. So we're also a weird bunch in kind of a different way. Yeah. We are all exactly we are all weird in our own ways because comedians are the most antisocial people. Yeah. 
That doesn't surprise me. Is very nature is rebellious. You tell us what not to do. That's exactly what we're going <laughs> to do. The, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. But okay, I'm really excited about Desi Comedy Fest. So I know yeah. you're one of the co-founders. So tell us a little bit about how it got started and why it's so important to create this platform, especially for Desi Comics. Yeah. So I'll tell you where it started. All right. This was 2013, and uh, a couple of years after the attack in Mumbai that happened, the 2611 of Mumbai. Right, and it was a huge uh, event, and there was a lot of animosity. And I, you know, I grew up in Mumbai, where in India there's a very strong anti-Muslim, anti-Pakistan sentiment. I grew up Jewish, where again there's a strong anti-Muslim, anti-Arab world, the the conflict in Israel sentiment. And when I left India and I came to America, I thought I left all of it behind. And then 9/11 happened. And then, bam! I was stuck in this trifecta of Islamophobia, and so I myself had a hard time coming to terms with the idea that you know religion doesn't define people. And one of my very good comedian friends, Azhar Usman from Chicago, he actually once invited me to do open for him for a Pakistani fundraiser. And I was like, dude, are you sure you want me to open at a Pakistani event? And he goes, ah, come on, man, I'm also Indian. I'm like, yeah, but you're Muslim and I'm Jewish. Are you sure? And then he's like, yeah, 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 just come do it. You'll be, you'll be fine. You'll like it. And I did that event, and for the first time, I was surrounded by Pakistani people, and I'm doing my jokes, and they're laughing. And I'm like, whoa, hello, what's going on? And then from there to about a couple of years, I was getting booked at more Muslim events than I was at Jewish events, right? And that baffled me too. And so I had my own growth and learning in my life, getting to the point where the riot, the the, the attack in Bombay happened. And there was a lot of animosity coming through my feeds from my friends, and I'm like, what can I do about this? And I get that what's happening is not good. I don't like the behavior of people around me, but there are enough people who don't believe in that divisive idea. And the only thing I could think of was, why don't I put a comedy show featuring Indian and Pakistani comics, and kind of show them that we can actually sit together and laugh. Because I had seen that happen in my own past, and I wanted to show that to others. And so, in 2013, on August 14th and 15th, the Independence Day of Pakistan and India, I did a show called United We Stand Up, and we had two Pakistani and three Indian comics, two three women comics, and two male comics. Because I'm also always also aware of the gender balance in in the shows. And we did those shows, and they were, in terms of numbers. Semi successful. We had two half full shows. If I look at it optimistically, and that sort of planted the seed in my head that oh, this isn't a bad idea. We can actually do a show like this. And somewhere between August of 2013 and August of 2014, Abhay and I, uh, who had met briefly during one of my Mahatma Moses comedy tour shows in Los Angeles, he moved up to San Francisco. We met, and I just told him like, hey, dude, there's Latino comedy festival, there's Arab American comedy festival, there's all kinds of Jewish comedy festival. Why don't Why don't we have one for South Asians? And there have been tours that have happened, where I was a part of a tour called Funded with Punchline. We used to go tour around California doing shows at various venues. There was another tour that happened way back in my early days called Gurus of Comedy, which was a national level tour. But these tours kind of just happened and disappeared, right? And I wanted to create something that had cadence. So I said, right, we will give this a try. Let's run a South Asian comedy festival. We'll call it Desi Comedy Fest, and we'll do it every August 14th, 15th, around those dates. And so we launched in 2014 as purely as an experiment with four shows, and all the four shows sold out. 
I also remember that year my mom and dad were here, and my mom speaks broken English, my dad speaks laughable English, and they were at the shows. And for them, just the experience of being in America, sitting amongst Desi people, and seeing their kid up on stage making everyone laugh, and everybody else who came up on stage just as entertaining. They had such a good time that I was like, "Ooh, if my parents who barely speak the language and barely understand the context of this country can laugh at the things that both Indian-born and American-born South Asian comedians can do, not just Indian, like South Asia-born, right?" And so we said, "All right, the first one sold out four shows. Let's give it another shot. 2015 was it beginner's luck, or are we really onto something?" And we doubled down, and we did eight shows in 2015, and we doubled the attendance in in that year. And so, I've come from the tech world where doubling your annual revenue is like a huge thing. And so we're like, well, we had doubled up. And so, 2016, we made a big plunge. We went 11 nights in a row. We had 50 plus comics from three continents who showed up, and the fest just massively expanded. And I know you asked me about the genesis, and I went through the entire story. <laughs> <laughs> But that that is where it it all started. This whole. Attack that happened in Mumbai that triggered the idea in my head of doing a show with Indians and Pakistanis together. Pretty much, I've continued the trend now. And I think that's what makes this idea just so nice is you're bringing everybody together. And the fact is, you know, I like that there's a platform that highlights, you know, they see comics regardless of what their background is. So I'm sure people in Vancouver are gonna love this. So Samson, before I let you go, if people want to get tickets, how can they grab tickets to the show? Oh, so there's always DesiComedyFest.com uh, where we list all our upcoming shows and ticket links. GFL Vancouver also uh, has listed us on there, so you can find tickets off of either one. Awesome, Samson! It was so nice talking to you. Really appreciate it, and all the best with the show in Vancouver. Hey, thanks, Manchiran. Hopefully, I'll see you in the audience laughing. Yes, will do.